Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Clear Cruise podcast. My name is Toby Cruz and what an episode we have in store for you today. Well, coming up, Edwina Lonsdale, Managing Director and Owner of Monday Cruising, speaks with us about the ever-evolving industry. Later on, we have an update from Peter Collar in Australasia. But first, Andy Harmer has a little announcement to make about what to expect from the cruise industry over the next two months. Hi everyone, my name's Andy Harmer and I'm here to tell you that starting on the 1st of September and all the way through September and October, we're going to encourage the whole of the UK to choose cruise. That's a two-month campaign where we talk about some of the amazing things that you can do on a cruise holiday, from wellness and entertainment through to activities and learning and everything in between. So each week there'll be a different theme and we'll share loads of interesting information around those particular themes so that by the end of the two months, even the least cruise person in the UK will want to book a cruise. Well, at least that's the theory. So all you need to do is follow hashtag choose cruise. There are plenty of places on our website where you can get more information, where you can get videos to share and the latest offers and so much more. So head over to cruiseexperts.org and have a great Choose Cruise two-month thing. We'll see you soon. Yes, so we'll be taking a closer look at the industry over the next two months with extra advice, tips and insights from across the cruising world including right here on the podcast, where we'll be talking with key leaders, bloggers and influencers, some of whom you may already recognise, to help get more people to choose cruise. And of course, you can follow everything going on over September and October by using the hashtag ChooseCruise on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now, Andy Harmer sat down with Edwina Lonsdale from Monday Cruising. Enjoy. Delighted to say I've been joined by Edwina. Edwina, why don't you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Edwina Lonsdale from Monday Cruising, the yes. longest established cruise-only agency in the world. Wow. And uh, I am owner and managing director of the company. And we were uh, created in 1970 by the former owner, hence the name Paul Monday. And it's literally uh, been successful ever since. Yes, it's been quite an extraordinary journey, actually, because um, when Paul started off, um, he was in a uh, a time when people thought that was the end of passenger shipping, really, because right. the jet plane had just taken off. Everybody thought that um, those ships that used to do the line voyages from one place to another had become redundant, and therefore there was no real need for cruise, and that was going to be the end of it. Um, Paul started off as um, owner's representative for KD German Rhine Line, the original River Cruise Line, which is sort of quite extraordinary, yes. And also looking after the interests of NAC, Norwegian America Cruises, which was actually a genuine cruise line, luxury. Um, But there was very little else going on at the time. And he was quite visionary. He was quite committed to this, the the delights of travelling by sea Mm. and and convinced that sooner or later people would realise just how great that was, as indeed they have proved right 45 years later. (laughs) (laughs) And the big change, I guess, for the industry was the 80s when we saw the development of a lot of the brands that we see today. Yes, yes. I mean, in the late 80s, that was when the the mergers and acquisitions Mm. started. Um, But 
in the 80s, it, you were still seeing a lot of movement of old tonnage around from, from cruise line to cruise line. So whilst there were some of the brands that we know today, um, it was quite likely that when they announced a new ship, that wouldn't, wasn't a new build. That right. was something that they'd acquired from somebody else. In fact, the standard thing you said was, oh, they've got so-and-so. Oh, what was that? And people oh, really? would go through the last five iterations of that ship back to the 50s or whatever. Which meant that, that for, from a branding point of view, nobody really was able to say we're all about this because they were using tonnage that hadn't right. been purpose-built for them. The only company that had a real brand identity was Carnival, who started as the fun ships. Yeah. Um, and then any ship can be a fun ship, can't it? So <laughs> they were able to do that. And they've done all right since. They've managed to scrape that. <laughs> so, and how long have you been involved in the business? Uh, well, I started off at Fred Olsen in the early 80s, so I was already in cruise. And... Uh, I joined Paul uh, to look after Royal Viking Line in the late 80s and uh, Paul retired in 99 when my husband and I bought him out. Wow. And what was it? What was the attraction about cruising for you? Oh, well, I did a brief stint in tour operating, um, working for Sovereign worldwide, as opposed to Sovereign Cruises. Right. And um, that was, so that was mainstream tour operating. And it was interesting, but it's in that business, that's all about the numbers. That's all could have been rivets or baked beans or whatever. Whereas in cruise, you've got a very um, uh, immediate uh, relationship with your clients. Even now, even now, and it's huge. The fact is, because you own the ship and the ship is face to face with the clients all the time, then far more than any other part of the industry, the, the, the whole company is aware of what the client needs are yeah. and responding to them which is why it's such a fantastic product I'm sure and customers have changed over the course of time as well mm, yes I suppose uh, and you don't have to be very wealthy you never had to be very wealthy yeah. but um, yes I suppose it's become more mainstream is is really yeah. the difference um, and that's uh, an awareness thing and down to all the fantastic work that Clear have done, of course, over Bless all you. these years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you you kind of specialise in the top end of the market in expedition. Yes, we do. So uh, when we got to the nineties and this huge um, growth started with loads and loads of new builds and the the mergers and the mm. brands acquiring other brands and so on and so forth. Um, and it was clearly going to become, because it was still a, 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 um, sure. a, in its infancy, yeah. really, really in the early 90s. But it was clear it was going to become a major sector. Uh, then we had to sort of revisit regularly and say, do we want to be a part of that? Right. Or do we want to be a part of this, which is what we do? So what we do is build very uh, personal, long-term relationships with people, with our clients. Um we feel that what we bring to the party, as opposed to a distribution network, really is a very personal consultancy to, to our client base who want uh, recognition and endorsement. They want people to understand what they're really all about. So be able to say, this is going to be a great product for you. Or actually, no, if you take my advice, you would never go on that. Not because the product is bad, right. but because we understand our clients well enough to know that this is for them and this one isn't. Um, and actually, as you get more mainstream and as there's more and more uh, online sales, um, 
then that's the thing that's lost out of the, 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 the transaction, really. And whilst people might think, oh, well, it's only the elderly that want that personal relationship, and it's true that as people get older, they do, yeah. they do become a bit more needy. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. Lots of people want a personal relationship. Lots of people want to be understood. Lots of people want to be listened to um, at all levels and would much rather have uh, someone who's who's really personally looking after their interests than who can just sort of mm. zip something through a computer. And are people still open to new itineraries and new destinations and new ships? Absolutely, and hence this huge, huge uh, growth, I think, in expedition, because people are, yeah, we have a lot of clients who say, oh, I've been everywhere. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but they're very, yes, people are very excited, of course, about the, the options and the opportunities to go to places that really were inaccessible up till now. Um, and, of course, River has, has made a big difference in terms of accessibility yeah. of, of inland places also. And do you see crossover between river and expedition and ocean cruising and uh, possibly river and expedition closer than right. than uh, than ocean? Um, ocean can be a different mentality. It depends. Some people will pick a ship as a resort yeah. for all the facilities and the fact that they're somewhere new every day is great. It's a bonus. Uh, some people are totally um, focused on on itinerary, um, and in fact, I think your research says number one choice when when picking your holidays itinerary yeah but um just because you've got that on your radar doesn't mean that you know it, what what you're going to do there is going to be very different according to what your mindset is and we talk a lot about people wanting a bespoke experience and i guess that extends also to the shore excursions they want but also pre and post yes absolutely so so when we package and we do a lot of uh, bespoke packaging then uh, they're looking for um, front of aircraft air, obviously. Um, they're looking for a hotel, yes, the hotel that they choose rather than the hotel that the cruise line chooses. Um, often some pre and post touring, not just the travel, because you know, if they're going to spend their business class there and mm. they're going to travel all that way, then they're going to make the most of it. And yeah. the last thing they want is to come back and someone say, Oh, didn't you go to so and so? Yeah, and that yeah. was your once in a lifetime trip to, to Rio or whatever. Um, and then when they're on board, it depends again on the ship. I mean, if they're on expedition, obviously they're not going to go off and do sure. independent sure. stuff. But if they're on a, on a big ship, then the likelihood is that what's being offered in the shore excursions is not for them. They want, they want uh, a, the personal attention and a private car and they have their specific interests also. Uh, we talked about river briefly that really has become an incredible sector to watch particularly long haul yes um have you noticed any particular trends that we can kind of that are unusual or something we wouldn't have expected in river um well it's the interesting thing of course is that um whilst european river is is perceived to be quite a sort of stately progression although yeah. actually it's quite hard work um <laughs> Long haul um, is is really adventurous. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't sort of sit, you know. The expectation is not that river is really adventurous, but it but it is. Not you know, quite particularly different. Mekong, yeah. the Irrawaddy, Zambezi. Those are really fantastic trips, and then all those Pandor really off the beaten track ones. Great. Uh, and you're right about expedition. That really is something we've been talking about. 
uh, on a number of podcasts, but we continue to talk about because, again, extraordinary growth in that sector and lots of new ships to come. Yes. I mean, actually, you're absolutely right. The extraordinary growth is in the ships. Yeah. We haven't seen the growth in the passengers yet because right. it's too early. Yeah. And whether that really exists is yet to be As seen. As to where they're sourced from. Yes. Uh, you've cruised a lot. Do you have a favourite destination or a favourite experience or place? Oh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the last trip is always up. Always. Oh, that was fantastic. But I love India uh, yeah. and the Far East. Um, and I really love the Med. I think we're so lucky to have the Med mm. sitting on our doorstep. Um, and then, yes, beautiful places like Norway, Alaska. Everywhere, really. Everywhere. Everywhere. We're very, yes. You're right. We're very lucky to be <laughs> located where we are at a time when we can cruise to all these amazing places. Yes. And very briefly, to, to kind of finish, that small ship mentality also seems to not to have gone away because we've seen, obviously, big big ships coming to the mainstream sector uh, and small ships continue. It's, it's, you know, that, that small ship experience is very different. It is it? very different. Quite interesting what's happening in small ships because you've got the, 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 the classic small ship lines um, mm. really... Silver Sea and Seaborne, more than anything, who've who've gone from quite small ships into sort of medium-sized ships, what 30 years ago we would have said were large ships, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, understandably, because of the economies of scale, they can still do the, the great itineraries, but it is a bit of a different experience. But now, suddenly, we're beginning to see, uh, after years of no one new building smaller, now mm. we're beginning to see smaller. So Ponon's new ships yeah. are smaller... Um, Crystal Endeavour so yeah that's that's going back down again and having just come off a 62 passenger ship myself I have to say it's an extraordinary experience it's very social in a way that you could never imagine it's really amazing uh, your next trip where's the place that you haven't cruised to but you really want to um, I'm thinking about uh, Vietnam we were there earlier this year and it's an incredible place. Of course you were, yes. yeah. yeah. Edwina, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Pleasure. Now, before we head off for another week and put the final preparations in place for Choose Cruise, here's the latest from Peter Collar. Peter. The global industry is well aware of Australia's growth in cruise over the past decade. And for the past three years, Australia has been the world-leading cruise market per capita, with 1 in 18 Australians cruising every year. So as good as this has been, for a while now there's been growing concerns regarding reaching capacity. And a lot of the focus was on the entry point of the very marketable Sydney, which has docking limitations due to the current infrastructure in place. Now, the debate over the years was about where a new facility could be built so that Sydney didn't have to potentially turn away ships, while also establishing talks with the government uh, to get the support of this endeavour. So since our last podcast update, I'm pleased to report that we have received great news in the announcement of the New South Wales government's anticipated cruise development plan, a set of proposed actions which includes the development of a strategic business case for a cruise terminal at Port Botany. Now, there's still some work to be done, 
But now that it's all on the table, Clear's looking forward to working with the New South Wales government and bringing this solution to fruition. And the government's plan to support regional ports to improve as cruise destinations and the commitment to work with the federal government to remove regulatory barriers affecting the cruise industry were also positive developments. So we're extremely happy with the progress of that. And speaking of this growth, not only is the economic impact of cruising ever increasing in the region, but it's also putting further demand on employment needs for the sector. And so in the week ahead, we will announce a new national traineeship program, which will help fill employment needs for the escalating cruise retail sector here in Australia. A program that has been shaped with the collaboration between CLIA, TAFE New South Wales and Apprenticeship Support Australia. This program will assist CLIA travel agent members and CLIA cruise line reservation staff to build workplace skills and knowledge using a combination of Australia's apprenticeship program, TAFE New South Wales facilitated uh, certificate three in travel, as well as our CLIA Learning Academy. Now we'll have more information on how it works at our launch, but to summarize, employers will find a trainee with the direct support of Apprenticeship Support Australia, whom will also assist in all HR and financial requirements. And then TAFE New South Wales will facilitate the training either in the workplace or face-to-face, and that will also include the CLIA Learning Academy to increase their knowledge and confidence across the cruise industry sector. Now, through the process, the employee will receive incentives from the federal and state government, while at the end of the term, they'll have a new staff member that will be trained specifically for their role, they'll have a certificate three in travel, and they'll be very close to their CLIA accreditation as well. So we'll have more information available on our website, and while we'll launch the program for the state of New South Wales businesses first, we're currently sourcing registered training organisations in other states and territories subject to the expressions of interest. So a lot of positive news around the cruise sector here in Australasia. So that's all from us this week. Thanks to Peter, Edwina and Andy for taking part in this episode. Let us know what you thought across the internet on all of our social media platforms and I'll be sure to see you next week. I've been Toby Cruz. Happy cruising.